Welcome. Welcome back to the Conclusion of the Matter podcast. I'm joined today, as usual, with or by Robbie Ferguson, Robbie Ferguson, <laughs> Ren Ferguson, and Robbie Santiago. I do know my co-host. I just, <laughs> you know me. Anyway, so um, Solomon penned in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Um, our last episode, we talked about um, salvation, what is God's part, and Robbie, what are we looking at today? Right. Today, like you mentioned, uh, we're going to continue on the second part of our discussion on salvation, and today we're going to look at what our part is. Um, and the first thing that came to my mind was actually in Acts chapter 8, uh, when Philip is is talking with the eunuch, and he had been teaching him. Uh, and the eunuch is just about at the, the point of wanting to be saved, but he asks the question in verse 31, how can I unless someone guides me? Um, so obviously there has to be somebody who teaches us what the gospel is and what salvation means. And if that never happens, then you know, none of the rest of this really matters. So somebody has to, to teach us first. It's the first thing that comes to my mind. But, yeah, I yeah. think... Go, Go ahead, ahead. <laughs> I said you, I gave you, called you guys uh, the wrong name, so I'll just sit here okay. for a while and not talk. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I agree, because in the context of what you just brought up, uh, of course, the Holy Spirit told Philip to go and to speak to the, to the eunuch. And whenever Philip got there, he was reading a passage from Isaiah, and Philip asked him, I believe you, you pointed out specifically verse 31, mm-hmm. but at the end of verse 30, Philip asked him, do you understand what you are reading? And that's when the eunuch said, how can I unless someone guides me? And the thing is, is, is of course, for you and I today, going back to briefly what we talked about last time, the Holy Spirit has already revealed in written form everything that we need so you and I, we can go back and we can cross-examine. We can look at, okay, well, this is what it says in the New Testament. How does that stack up? How, is this, how does this connect with what was prophesied about or talked about in the Old Testament? Unfortunately for them, at least in written form, they didn't, written, have, yeah, didn't have, didn't have that. Word. And so uh, the eunuch was unsure of exactly what he was, he was talking, talking about. about. But thankfully, of course, Philip was one of those that was blessed to have the Holy Spirit poured out on him. And so because of that miraculous knowledge and because of his experience with Christ, uh, was able to reveal that to him. But, and, and what did it say? It said starting with that verse, he proclaimed Christ, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Right. right. So they, we, it's clear what the message was. Now we don't know the, what all he, what all he said, but we get a good idea based on right. the rest of the conversation that we'll probably get to later. Um, I was thinking that, um, <clears throat> you know, Robbie was starting with how can we know unless someone teaches us, right? And, and we're going to see a lot of, th- I shouldn't say a lot, we're going to see several things that that see point us to sal- or get us to that salvation point. And I want to be clear in the fact that I don't think any of these are more important than the other. And we kind of alluded to that in our ba- one of our baptism mm-hmm. right. um, podcasts. But um, we got to look at the totality of God's Word, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of alluded to that with looking at the Old Testament, the New Testament. Um, Psalm 119, 160, which I've referenced before, the sum of your word is truth. Uh, sum of your word is truth. The totality, right? Right. So 
could we take things out of context and say, see, it says right there that all I got to do is this to be saved. But when we go look at the totality, there are other things that say, hey, this also saves me. And um, it reminds me, and you've probably heard lessons like this, uh, a preacher friend of mine from back home, I will give him credit, Charlie Bennett, did a lesson on this. And it was, he said, it's kind of like baking a cake. Mm -hmm. You can go by the recipe and if you don't put something in that's in the ingredient list, are you really going to get that cake? No. You're going to get something, but it isn't going to be cake. Yeah, right. So similarly, we have a recipe. It's our responsibility to find it, right? Or right. that person teaching us, to your point, Robbie. Mm-hmm. But do we put all the ingredients in? Right. And we're going to look at the ingredients, I think. Yeah. And I think that's a good point, especially what you brought up uh, from Psalm, Psalms, correct? That the sum of thy word yep. is truth. Because there are obviously those, and I think we talked about this in the lessons on baptism, that promote the faith only. All you have to do is believe. Mm-hmm. And I guess going to your point, if that were the case, outside of the gospel accounts, what is the purpose of the rest of the New the Testament? And even even in the gospel accounts, Christ teaches some of the very the same things. things we're going to talk about, right. Right. And so... Even in John 3. Yeah, exactly. John 3, Mark 16, he brings out a lot of those things. Luke, Luke 13. 13, yeah. And we're going to look at all of those more specifically, but I think you're exactly right. And, and I think the word for that is proof texting. You bring out one verse really out of context that supports a preconceived or personal bias instead of looking at, to your point, the totality of of what God has revealed to us. And Satan did that. Right. He, tempted, he did exactly. the proof texting, right? Right. And I always think about God. God does not ever do anything for an arbitrary purpose. If he revealed the remainder of the New Testament to us, there's a reason, reason for, for that, it. and it's because we need it for in some capacity, really in, in many capacities. But, but I think that's a great point. When looking at... Anything that has to do with religion, anything that has to do with salvation or our lives as Christians, we have to look at the totality of what Scripture says. And I think, Robbie, your question, what was the—we said it, the eunuch was studying from Isaiah 53, and and Philip applied the message of Christ, and that's what we're talking about, right? Right. We're talking Mm -hmm. about— well, you say, well, how can I know unless someone teach me? Well, we're talking about teaching what? Teaching— Christ, Christ, Mm -hmm. teaching the gospel, teaching the message of Christ. Um, The go-to is Romans 10, 17, Mm -hmm. right? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing what? By the Word of God. By the Word of God or the Word of Christ. It's like, well, where do you get your belief? Right. You got to hear it, right? And it goes back to Romans 10, where you were going to go, Robbie, Romans 10, verse 14. Right, verse 14, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of similar to what we were talking about from Acts chapter 8. Um, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? So we have to hear who Jesus is, hear what the gospel is before you know we can do the rest of this. And kind of like what we were just mentioning a moment ago, it, it's one of those things that I think it, it's really simple, but also there's a whole lot that goes into this. Mm-hmm. And even thinking about our last podcast on what God's part is, you know, each of those individually, like God's grace, God's mercy, you know, God's love, all of those are very simple to understand. But when you look at the totality, to your point, the totality of what all went into it, it's 
it's kind of like that on the back end too, where, you know, each one of these is very simple to understand, but you know, you can't have like faith only. You can't have just somebody teach you and it stop there. It has to be, you know, the, all of the things that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, it goes back to the the ingredients, right? If you don't apply every ingredient that points to salvation, do you really have salvation? I think that's the question that it has to be asked and and has to be answered honestly by looking and comparing with what the scripture says. Yeah, like if you just put flour in flour in the oven, yeah, gonna get flour out. I wouldn't want to eat that. It'd just be hot, hot flour, right? So um, I don't even like it cold. So so hearing it is, and that is something that, and it's not just. What I would say is someone would say, well, you have no control over hearing it. And I would say, well, it's not just the hearing. It's the it's the hearing it and, and thinking about it. Right. Because where, you, where we're going to go next is you have to make that decision, do I do you believe, believe it? Do you not? Right. So it's more than just hearing it. It's And you alluded to it with teaching, Robbie. I mean, teaching is more than just quoting something to someone, right? To be an effective teacher, you've got to... Kind you got to really analyze it, it and right? explain it well, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so the message that that Paul said in First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verses three and four, that the gospel that he presented to them was the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, and that is what Philip talked to the eunuch about. Obviously, um, did the eunuch? Did he consider the evidence and believe? And I think that's mm-hmm, the other thing right. is. Belief is sometimes m- 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 mischaracterized. Mis- yeah, that's the term. Yeah, mischaracterized into oh, I believe, and it's like our belief goes a little further than just that. I mean, you look at Hebrews chapter one or Hebrews chapter eleven, verse one. What is faith? Faith is re- of things hope, hope for, for the evidence, evidence of things not seen, which tells me that you have really looked at it and you've. And other yeah, other versions convinced. use the word right. convicted. Convicted, which right. is what you use in yeah. a court to convict someone is evidence, right? Mm-hmm. So right. I, there's more to it than just, oh, yeah, I believe. I mean, you've really considered the evidence that's been presented to you by the teaching, and you've now made that decision. Right. And that's one thing that I think is always so important. I think you guys are right on it. A lot of times belief gets mischaracterized, and a lot of people— a lot of people kind of treat Christian faith like it's a blind faith, and there's mm-hmm. they don't really look to see the evidence. They don't really look to see if there's actually, whether it be biblical or extra-biblical things that support what we believe. But the thing is, God has never expected us to have a blind faith, and he has given us so much evidence to prove who he is and what he has done. So that we can, even though we have not seen it, going back to Hebrews 11 and verse 1, even though we haven't personally seen Christ in the flesh, because of the evidence, we are convicted yeah. of who he is and what he did. And I think that's I think that's a, a great point. And that goes back to, you know, Jesus. This is going back to two ingredients. Jesus said in Matthew chapter, Mark chapter 16, verse 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved or shall be saved. So now Jesus has given me two ingredients. So you're telling me mm-hmm. it's not just belief alone? Right. Well, no. Jesus said belief and and be baptized. We're not there yet, but right. point is going back to, well, Jesus said this, 
But here we looked at the eunuch, and he needed to be taught. Paul said the same thing in Romans, so the, they have to be taught, and then they have to decide. So we're at that belief aspect, and mm-hmm. is that where we stop? That's where, unfortunately, a lot of people stop, but <laughs> <Okay>. that's, not, <laughs> that's not where we should stop. Because, again, going to y'all's point, people think that belief or faith is just simply thinking something to be true. But really, when you look at the Scriptures and you see how those words are are used, and especially going back to Hebrews 11, the Faith Hall of Fame, yeah, if, right. you looked at, if you look at that chapter, every single one of those people demonstrated their faith by obeying God. I, I've said this oftentimes in lessons. You can't, you can't really separate faith from obedience. They are always intertwined. And I'm sure we'll look at James 2 later, but... Right. Is that where you're That's about to go? I just oh, go ahead. To, but go no, ahead. I was going to say that what are the examples James gives when he talks about faith without works? He said, let me dead. show you my faith by works. Right. And the, the examples he gave, one was Abraham sacrificing Isaac. Did Abraham obey? Right. And that's how he, he showed his faith. And your example of Hebrews, Chad, the rest of chapter 11 there, everybody is yeah. listed there because they obeyed. Yeah. So it's more than just, to Believe. your point, a belief. It's, it's, an, it's an active right. faith. And the word belief, to what you were saying just a moment ago, Ren, is just a word that's mischaracterized, mm-hmm. but it also means so many different things to so many different people. Um, but in James chapter 2, verse 19 says, uh, toward the end there, even the demons believe right. and tremble. And, it, you know, it's different between, like, thinking, yeah, he existed. Um, you know, it's it's to the point, like, where you come to the realization that, you know, he's Lord of your life, that he is the Son of God, that he's the Savior of the world, and that... That convicts well, you well, that... Well, if you remember, some of the demons in the Gospels said... Call him by the, name. Call, you are the Son of yeah, God. Right. So they realized who he was. So it's more than even just knowing who he was. It's, right. it's that submission and, yeah. and to your right. point, and even, obedience. That reminded me... Oh, I can't remember exactly what chapter it's in off the top of my head, but in, in the book of Acts, it talks about the seven sons of Sceva. And they were trying to cast out a demon... And the demon said, "Who are you? We know, we know Paul, we know Christ, but who, who are, are you? you?" Yeah, because it it again goes back to that of not just knowing who somebody is, not just knowing who Christ is, but submitting to and that authority, right? That's because the demons, the demons know far more personally about Christ and Jesus and God than you and I, this side of heaven, ever will. Right. But they're not saved. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you they have faith that he exists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and well, one elder I used to, well, that when I attended in North Carolina, he used to say there's two types of people, those who believe in God or believe God and those who don't. You know, you can't separate the two because right. if you believe in God, you're going to obey what he's written in his word. And right. if you don't, then you yeah. won't. And even going back to James chapter 2, three times in that passage, he says, faith without works is dead, being alone. And I think the word works always kind of offends people because whenever we say that word works, it's most often meritorious yeah, works of, right. I'm doing this because it's going to put God in my debt and he's going to owe me salvation. But again, when we examine Scripture, I think I think it's Romans chapter 4, 
that draws that distinction between works of faith and works of merit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what James is saying there, and even as he says with Abraham, his faith was made perfect Perfect. or complete because of his obedience. Mm -hmm. And so if we have faith but not obedience, then our faith is lacking something, and Mm -hmm. as he says, it's It's dead. dead. So if we make the decision to, I do believe that, like 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 the eunuch did, <clears throat> or anyone in Acts chapter 2, um, the day of Pentecost, which you talked about in the last mm-hmm. podcast, which is the Holy Spirit led the, the, the apostles there. Um, when Peter got to the conclusion of his message and convicted them, or the word convicted them, let me clarify, the, the word, the message convicted them, they said, what do we need to do? Right. And again, he gives us... Two ingredients, right? One of which is the same that was found in Matthew cha- mm-hmm. or Mark chapter sixteen. But he said, "Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission mm-hmm. right. for the forgiveness of sins." Right. Right. So let's look at let's look at repentance. So repentance means what? Uh, typically, we define it as a change of heart that leads to a change of action. Okay, so um, a change of heart that leads to a change of action. So I'm I'm looking at. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, at the first part of verse 10, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. So is repentance leading us to salvation? It gets right. us there, right? So yeah. it's one of those one ingredients. One of right. Um, and then when Paul is in front of King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26, starting verse 19, he says, Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, talking about the road to Damascus, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God. So there's that turning to God, right? Mm -hmm. Turning away from sin, turning to God. And he continues, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. So there's the action part, right? Right. So I want to clarify something, because something that you, when we talked in baptism, I made a statement that you have to change before you can be saved. Mm -hmm. And what I meant by that was you have to have the heart, like right. I'm going to change. I didn't mean that you had to be perfect going forward because we all know you're not going right. to be, right? right. So yeah. there are sins that people have been involved with for years, mm-hmm. and it's not automatically going to be easy for them. Right. So, But did they have the attitude of repentance exactly. is the question. Right. And that's where you have to say, I am making the decision to change my life. You very well could fall back into that sin mm-hmm the next day, depending how deep you are in it, right. but are you continuing to try to make it, make yourself right. better is the question. Yeah. And I think that's the, I wanted to clarify that because um, my friend who I was studying with questioned on that and we had a good discussion and I saw where she was coming from with, you're not changed. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But you have made the decision that you are going to change. And yeah, it's a, pro- right. it's a, it's a progressive well, thing, right. right? And that's the thing is sometimes I think whenever we're in these types of discussions and we talk about repentance as a step of salvation, we act as if it's a one-and-done one kind and of done. event. Yeah. And that's just not the case. I think you're, the point that you're making is so true. Repentance is, it, well, I mean, it's a change of heart that leads to a change of action. Mm-hmm. Just going off of your example, there might be things that we practice for years, but then whenever we study God's Word, we realize what we were doing is wrong, and the first part of repentance is, okay, I need that to was wrong, yeah. yeah, and I need to change. 
And then the other part, the other aspect of it is, is from that point on, striving to avoid that sin. Yep. As you pointed out, it doesn't mean that you're always going to be perfect. But living in that constant mentality of, okay, that is wrong, that is contrary to God's law, and any time I do something that is contrary to God's law, I'm going to do my best to turn from it and submit to Him. And I think going back to 2 Corinthians 7 in verse 10, the verse that you pointed out, who is he writing to? Christians. Christians. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think specifically in the context, if I remember correctly, what he is alluding to here is what he addresses in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 with the man who was sleeping with his father's wife and how they were not withdrawing themselves from him but just simply accepting him. But if you go on and if you look at verse 11 of that, that passage, it says, For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourself. What indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourself innocent in the matter. Paul's not saying that they automatically became perfect Christians. But what it is, is they realized they were wrong and they were taking steps to, to correct it and to avoid it. Yeah. And I right. think that's... And not practice it anymore. Ex- exactly. And I think it's it's a growth thing. I mean, Peter, I, I think of Peter. You know, Peter is is the one that usually was the speaker, the main speaker of the apostles. Who who did who went to the Gentiles first? Peter. Peter, Peter. Cornelius' right. house, right? Next to him. Who who basically shunned the Gentiles when James and other people came down from Jerusalem? Peter. Peter. So the the first person who Basically, after he went to Cornelius' house, went to the council there, or went to the elders there in Jerusalem and said, hey, if God has said that they are clean, who am I to stand in his way? Well, what did he do so many years later? Right. He he messed up, right? Yeah, so right. he's not perfect. We're not perfect. So again, it is, it is, but did he change after that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of our discussion we had one of our previous podcasts about how people sometimes view, uh, you know, being baptized or obeying the gospel as the finish line instead of the starting yeah. line. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I really just think of the mindset that they had in Acts chapter two that we were talking about just a moment ago, and how they were it says they're cut to the heart. Mm-hmm. You can see that they're like they're heartbroken right. at what they had done and they wanted to change. Like that's the kind of mentality that's they have to have. To that's change. repentance. Yeah, and, exactly. And then even later in Acts chapter 8, like Simon the sorcerer obeys the gospel and then, you know, he realizes that he's like messing up and what does Peter tell him he has to do? Right. Right. Repent. Pray and ask for forgiveness and repent. Yep, and repent. So, you know, and again, I just back up and think of the whole New Testament. If we didn't have to do anything differently, then why would Paul go to the trouble of writing yeah, all these letters? That's a good point. So Right. And also when you think about the second and third chapters of the book of Revelation, those seven the letters. letters to the Church of Asia, Christ, of course, except for Smyrna mm-hmm. and Philadelphia, he tells all of them to repent, mm-hmm. which means, again, that it's not a one-time thing. In fact, as we're going through these, the only thing that we see in Scripture where it can be considered a one-time event is baptism. baptism. Everything else, it, we continue in it mm-hmm. by necessity. Uh, and I mentioned a moment ago, Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, how they were cut to the heart. 
And I said that that was repentance, and really, I guess I should say that's the beginning of repentance. That's the heart part, right? right? The, the heart, it's, not right. the heart, the heart. Right. It's accepting that you have done something that is wrong, and then again, as we were talking about changing your life to meet the standard that God has set. Yeah. And so just yeah. wanted to clarify that. Okay. So you hear, you've made the decision, yeah, I believe that Jesus did live. I did, I believe that he came here, he died, he was resurrected, the whole gospel message. You've made the decision that, I, wow, I need to change. Mm -hmm. I'm going to work on this. I'm going to change. It's a progressive thing. What else do we see that saves us? Uh, Well, the next one that we typically go to is, which, depending on what translation you have, it might not even be in your Bible. Uh, For example, the ESV does not does not record this and maybe we could go into why that is but maybe save that for a different yeah, one that's, that's kind of that's down the rabbit 100% hole. a different different lesson but just using that example in Acts chapter 8 of the Ethiopian eunuch whenever uh, Philip was preaching to him and uh, they came across some water and the eunuch said see here's water what hinders me from being baptized uh, and Again, the ESV does not record verse 37, but other translations such as the KJV, the NKJV, uh, which are based off of the Texas Receptus, they record there in verse 37, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, this is the only example that we have of someone making that explicit confession, if you will. Romans but 10. even it's if to in right, 10, yeah. but even if we, even if the West Cotton Hort, which is what the ASV ESV is taken from, a different set of manuscripts, even if they are justified in not having verse thirty-seven in there, that's fine because we have Romans chapter ten and verse ten, mm-hmm. which there it states that with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Right, it's that same idea of what. We pointed out, or what you pointed out, Ryan, in Second uh, Corinthians seven and verse ten, that it leads, leads to, to salvation, not that it necessarily results in, but that it is a part of the process to salvation. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that um, you know, Jesus said in Luke chapter twelve, verses eight and nine, I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of heaven. So Jesus is saying there that you've got to be willing to admit right. that you that you believe in me, that um, which it says acknowledges me before men. I mean, you could say confesses me before men, right? Right. There, right? Matthew 10, 32 is yeah, a similar, similar passage yeah. there. And I think the thing there is that are we willing to, I'm going to use the word admit, but are we willing to in front of people say that I believe in Jesus, right. I follow Jesus, or the rest of the verse, he who denies me before men, I will will be denied before the angels of God. So that's the right antithesis of it is, yeah, confession, but if you're not willing to, right. again, if you don't have the ingredients, are you going to get the final product? Mm-hmm. And that even goes back to what I mentioned a moment ago, how we often treat these things like a one and well, done, mm-hmm. but... Really, when you look at that in the 
specific context. He's not giving them step-by-step, do this and you'll be saved. He's talking about, in essence, the way that we live. Mm -hmm. And as you pointed out, always being willing to confess that, yes, I believe that Christ is the Son of God. I believe He died for our sins. I believe He was resurrected the third day. I believe He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God right now, ruling over His kingdom, as Acts 2 states. And so, again, yes, it is a prerequisite to salvation because that's what Paul says in Romans 10, 9, and 10. And I was looking at Second John chapter one verse seven. He says, "For many deceivers have gone out into the world; those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist." Now, specifically, he's saying they're not confessing him as in the flesh because he was dealing with Gnostics who didn't believe that right. he came in the flesh. But he specifically says these people who are not willing to confess or do not believe and will not confess that he came in the flesh, which is part of the gospel. Right. He came as a man, right? He said mm-hmm. they are the deceiver and the antichrist, and, and you cannot be in a good relationship with God and or Christ if you are the anti of him. Right. Yeah, that's. I think that's a great point. Right. Do you have anything else on that one? Nope. I, I think it's just hard to get around... Uh, well, the eunuch number one, but yeah. also no, all right, Romans ten says it pretty clearly. So right, all right. So we have all of these things so far. Looking at belief, looking at repentance, looking at our confession that we believe in Christ and who He is. Uh, but what are what's I guess I guess what's the next thing so, that so that we can look I at? I guess baptism. I mean that's. Yeah. We covered that in more detail in our right. other podcast, but I mean, we can look at the passages again. The big one to me that sticks out is Acts chapter twenty-two, verse sixteen, um, because some people like to to hypothesize that Paul was already saved after mm-hmm. the vision, right? Because Christ basically mm-hmm. f- forgave him. Well, Ananias told him, "Why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on His name," which is another thing we've talked about calling right. on his name. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Romans chapter 10, it says, he who calls on his name shall be saved. Right. Well, if we took that verse out of context and just used that one, I'll call That's on his name. That's all you got to do. Right? right. Well, here it kind of points to what calling on his name implies. And as you pointed out in when, on Wednesday, I believe, mm-hmm. and then our last podcast on baptism, Acts chapter 2, the same thing. Right. Joel says, he who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We see how they do that. Well, and not only that, I think about... Christ appeared to him on that road to Damascus. He declared to him who he was. He struck him blind temporarily. Mm -hmm. Paul, I don't have any doubt in my mind, he knew what what was going on and and was convicted. But he still told him to go into Damascus and find an ice, and he says, he will teach you what to to do. Teach tell you what to do. Right. And then, as you pointed out, Acts 22 and verse 16, as Paul is giving that account, Ananias told him to be baptized to wash away his sins. And and I think that goes perfectly with Galatians 3 and verse 27, that we are baptized into Christ. As we've already pointed out in the last lesson, we cannot be saved outside of Christ. And I think we Agreed. talked about that yeah. extensively in our in the baptism lesson one. on baptism. Yeah. But in the Go ahead, Robbie. Oh, I was just going to add, it's it's really hard to get around the eunuch because like right before verse 37 and verse 36, it says, Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? 
why would he ask yeah. that question if, right. if Philip perfect. had not spoken that to him, you know, and go to First Peter chapter 3, literally saying that right. mm-hmm. it now saves us, baptism yeah. now saves us. And you think, if you take the whole book of Acts, conversion after conversion, whether it's the Jews in Acts 2, Samaritans in Acts 8, Simon the sorcerer, the eunuch here, Saul or Paul in Acts chapter 9, Cornelius, like all of them, what was the common theme for every single one of them? They were baptized. Every single one of them. So mm-hmm. clearly, clearly, if every single one of them was baptized, right. it's clearly something that God would expect us to do today, right. too. And going back to what I think you mentioned it, Ryan, with whenever we were discussing belief, but Mark sixteen sixteen, he who believes and, and is baptized, that means you must believe and be baptized, he says, will be mm-hmm. saved. Mm-hmm. That means that both of those things precede salvation. Well, in Acts chapter or. 2, verse 38, repent and be baptized to right. receive forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. So that goes back to our, do you have the right heart before you get there? Right. So Do you have, that's a good point. Acts 2, verse 38, do you have the right heart before you get there? Mark 16, verse 16, do you have the right understanding yeah. before you get there? Mm-hmm. Never thought about it like I that. I hadn't either. That's a good so. point. Teamwork. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think if you want more about baptism, we've got two episodes on that one. <laughs> yeah. I think the the last, and this goes back to um, not the one and done thing, you know, live faithfully. Right. Um, you could listen to our Can I Lose My Salvation podcast. I think, we you know, we prove via Scripture that you have to work at it. You know, Paul himself said he has to, you know— um, I'm going to say buff in his body because that's the key. That's James. The key he says, I discipline, discipline yeah. um, lest he be disqualified. Um, you know, I look at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And I, I, not to change that verse, but I think the same thing could be said. What shall we say? Are we to continue in sin that the blood of Christ may Continue, continue to, to cover work. our sins. Yes. Right. And the answer one. is no. You know, the same answer is that's not no, because you're supposed to be dead to this, right? right? You shouldn't be living in it. And as you said in the past, Ren, there's a difference between living in and committing, committing a, a sin. sin. Yeah. Um, and you mentioning that in Romans chapter six, he makes the point over and over again, really through the chapter, but he especially makes the point in uh let me see here. In verse 16, I think, is the verse that I'm looking for. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are the slave of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Again, there's the obedience, not just the faith, mm-hmm. but that's besides the point. He's saying if you live in sin, you become a slave to sin and have therefore lost your standing yeah. with in regards to to your salvation. Uh, and, and, you know, what did we talk in our last podcast? The blood of Christ is part of, instrumental in that right. salvation. And we see in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, if you continue to live mm-hmm. in sin, sin willfully, which means right. I'm just going to continue rolling through it, right? right? You've made that decision. It says there's no longer a sacrifice for, for that right. sin. Mm-hmm. And in, in verse 29, it talks about, you know, basically... Uh, profaning the blood of the covenant that once saved had them in that state of salvation. Right. So it is something he expects us to right. 
to try to do. It's that re, it's all part of that repentance, though. Mm-hmm. I think is that it's that continuing to in, to improve, right? right? Yep. And I think that reminded me of First John one and verse seven, which we point out oftentimes, where he says, "If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from our sins." There's two important things. Well, there's more than that, but for the sake of our discussion, two important things. First of all, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, which implies you are living faithfully, if we do that, then the blood of Christ does continuously when we fail, when we we commit a sin, it cleanses us. But the inference of that or the implication, rather, of that and what we can infer from that verse is that if we are not walking in the light, then his blood does not continue to cleanse us from our sins. And the interesting right. thing there, going back, if you can keep reading in verse 8, he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive, we deceive ourselves. ourselves. So right. once again, he's pointing out that you can walk in the light and still sin right. versus living in sin. Right. Right. And even, I know we brought this up in previous podcasts too, but Second Peter chapter 2, you know, at the end of the chapter there, verse 20 on, it talks about the returning dog returning to his vomit. Yeah, right. just You know, once you've been saved, if you go back to that kind of life, then, you know, it says in verse 21, it would have been better for them to have not known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from it. So, mm-hmm. right. And you look at Paul, Philippians chapter 3, um, verses 12 through 14, how he talks about pressing mm-hmm. pressing on, right? He, he knew that he needed to work at it. And then when he gets to the verse you like going to in second, at the end of his life in 2 Timothy mm-hmm. chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, because he had done that, I have right. fought the good fight. What does that imply? I have run the race which he uses a lot yeah. for living a faithful Christian life, he gets what? Crown the crown of righteousness. Yeah. Uh, and that, I know this is our longest episode so far, but one other verse that that made me think about is Hebrews 4 and um, verse 1, uh, where he says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Again, making that point, and he's writing to Jewish Christians. He's saying, you better be careful because you can forfeit right. that. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's that's all that we have for now. Yeah. Uh, if you ever have any questions, more questions about these things, uh, feel free to email us at the conclusion of the matter at yahoo.com. Or you could message us on Facebook. Again, the conclusion of the matter. Just look up our page there. Uh, so if you have questions about these things, would like to study them in more depth, then then feel free to reach out to us and we'd be happy to answer any questions that you might have or explain things maybe in more detail than perhaps we have the opportunity in this this forum to do. Uh, do y'all have anything else? I just wanted to thank everybody that's been listening. appreciate, you know, everybody taking a few minutes out of right. their week just to listen to mm-hmm. Three guys yeah. <laughs> read from really? the Bible and discuss yeah. it. So appreciate that. Um, but yeah, agreed. If you want to talk or ask questions, please reach out to us. Yep. And again, if you have topics, topics that you would like for us to discuss, things like that, then feel free to do that. We love it. Makes our it makes part of our job a whole lot easier whenever y'all have things that y'all would like for us to talk about. Uh, but if you have any suggestions, then then feel free to offer those to us as well. But I guess for now, uh, that's all we have have to say on the matter, and I guess you could say that that is the The conclusion conclusion of of the the matter. matter.